as an example, early on, I was all about the money, right? I was, you know, in Toronto, I was a new grad. I was like, I want to make, you know, X amount of dollars per year. And day to day, like my happiness was like up and down on how much production I had and how much I was making. And it was pretty early on. I was like, man, this is not a good way to like think about dentistry of just like how much money am I making? Let's, let's instead focus on my clinical outcomes. Like is my restorations looking better today? Is my, is my marginal contours better? Is my contacts better? Is my extractions faster and cleaner? Is my post-op discomforts? <laughs> so that's, I had that mind, you know, ch mindset change, and it really made me happier because I was challenging myself to, you know, learn the craft better day to day instead of just focusing about the money and the outcome side of it. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Patrice Rati. I'm Jazz Galati, and welcome to this interference cast with Omid Azami, better known as the host of the Newbie Dentist podcast. This episode was actually shot many months ago. Uh, right now, when I'm recording this introduction, I'm quite nasal. I'm so sorry. I have got a bit of a non-COVID bug. Uh, it's bad timing, but at least it's non-COVID. I've got that confirmed. It's my sister's wedding at the moment. And for those of you who are familiar with Indian weddings, it's not like a one-day affair. I wish it was a one-day affair. This is like a, a three-week bonanza. I am so grateful I have just one sibling. But anyway, let's make the most of it. I've got my son. I've got um, good food to look forward to, dancing, uh, Indian colors and festivities and traditions. So I've got a lot of that going on. I've got a lot of the episodes on autopilot that have been pre-recorded. So they'll be getting released by the team uh, over the next few weeks. So you won't go a week without having a protrusive dental podcast episode. Don't worry. Uh, this themes. The themes that we cover in this episode are very much related and intertwines some of the previous themes that we'd cover. The theme of journey, the theme of career decisions, the theme of mindset, and the theme of just being the best version of you. The two biggest takeaways that you might get from this episode is, funnily enough, something I like to call toilet university, and yes, I have no shame. Uh, and number two is something that Omid describes later in the episode as the social multiplier effect, and something that's so relevant in dentistry. So I hope you enjoyed me and Omid just, you know, have vibing out, chatting about dentistry in Australia, dentistry in the UK, and how to power up your mindset in dentistry. I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, Omid Azami, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. Uh, you are better known as the newbie, well, you, I don't know if you are the newbie dentist, but you, your, your podcast <laughs> called the newbie dentist, but maybe that was inspired by the situation that you felt in. So let's, let's go straight in. What inspired you to make the newbie dentist, which by the way, has been awesome. I've been listening to it. It's such a great resource. So please jump on and subscribe to newbie dentist as well. But you are the original newbie dentist. Tell us how did that get to be? I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan of your work as well and your podcast and you're doing great things. Like I was telling you earlier, when I first started the podcast, it was, it was sort of a small space. I mean, there was, you know, Mark Costas and the Howard Franz of the world. And you kind of knew every podcast that was out there. It was a millennial dentist and, you know, shared practices. So when I first started, there was a lot of business of dentistry podcasts. So I was, you know, I enjoyed the topic a lot, you know, how to start a practice, how to control your overhead, how to communicate with patients and case acceptance, but I didn't find a lot of sort of practical day-to-day -day clinical topics being discussed. And so I, th I thought that was a cool niche that I personally, as a consumer of podcasts, wanted to kind of find and learn. And so at the time it was 2016, I graduated from Melbourne Dental School and I had moved back to Toronto where I'm originally from. So I moved back and I was working in different practices and 
I just didn't have a network because I, you know, in, in Melbourne, I, you know, I'm pretty outgoing and a good networker. And so all my university demonstrators and things were people who I, you know, could rely on as mentors and things. But when I moved back, it was tough. I didn't have them, those people around me to help me with cases and how to deal with difficult situations. So early on, Instagram was pretty good as well. So I started the Newbie Dentist Instagram account first. And I said, okay, once okay. I get this audience big enough, I'll try and convert that to to the podcast. And obviously, it's it's tough. It's hard to put yourself out there. You're nervous. You're like, well, what if I make it? No one listens to it. No one, you know, subscribes to it. So it took me a while. Did you have the same, cool. Omer? Did you have the same objection that I had? The one I had, the, the biggest one I had was, I hate the sound of my own voice. Did you have that one? <laughs> it's cringy, man. It, it still, <laughs> I still cringe. I mean, it's, I'm getting a bit better with it now, and I'm, I'm trying to become a better speaker and try and control that. But for me now, it's video because I've started to. You're good with video because you record your podcast and release them. But didn't you know, you know, dabble in video until recently, and that was a very big thing because I was quite shy mm. to do that and, and things. But uh, yeah, just you know, getting back to the podcast point, it was about mentorship. I just wanted to connect with local dentists in Toronto first. Um, through the Instagram community, started that and it started to grow. And, you know, eventually some dentists in the US and then abroad. And, um, and yeah, it was just a small hobby. And it's amazing how a couple of years of sticking with something, things can grow and expand and, and to see where things are. And, you know, being here, having the opportunity to speak with you and while you're in the UK and I'm here in Australia, is just quite amazing. It, it's so cool. And I, I, I know you've got this because you just mentioned it, but it, it is just the most flattering, humbling, sensational feeling when someone from like, Kingston, Jamaica messages you or I had Amazing. a student the other day from Germany messaging me saying I, I love listening to the producer on a podcast or whatever and you must get loads of messages from from various countries of the world and it's just just a, one of the best feelings and that really keeps us going in terms of you know making this stuff because people it's helping people and your podcast has definitely done that I mean generation of, of young dentists and, and I always say it's never been a better time to be a dentist than today because there's so much definitely. I don't know how it is in Australia Omid tell me do you feel as the morale is low in dentistry or do you feel like there's lots of like problems because in the UK I don't know how much you know I, I feel like you probably know a lot because you've had had guests from all over the world but the morale can be really low in the UK and with the fear of litigation and the public uh, sector and how that's funded so the morale can be low but uh, you know my mission is to convince everyone that it's never been a better time than today to be a dentist what do you think about I love that? that? I think that's great, man. I really think that's a positive message to be spreading. It is true. Like it's people get burnt out. I have friends, even myself, I've been through like the waves of uh, the work is stressful. Your patients aren't always grateful necessarily. But I think the way you're approaching it in terms of you know, education, learning, doing better work, providing better care for your patients. I think that's one way to kind of get out of it. I think, and the message I've been telling people in, in the podcast and things is how you portray, how you see dentistry is how you measure de yourself in dentistry. So as an example, early on, I was all about the money, right? I was, you know, in Toronto, I was a new grad. I was like, I want to make, you know, X amount of dollars per year. And day to day, like my happiness was like up and down on how much production I had and how much I was making. And it was pretty early on. I was like, man, this is not a good way to like think about dentistry of just like how much money am I making? Let's, let's instead focus on my clinical outcomes. Like is my restorations looking better today? Is my, is my marginal contours better? Is my contacts better? Is my extractions faster and cleaner? Is my post-op discomforts? <laughs> so that's, you know, ch mindset change and it really made me happier because I was challenging myself to, you know, learn the craft better day to day instead of just focusing about the money and the outcome side of it. So I, I do agree there's, there's tough times, especially in the UK and, and other countries in Europe, you hear with the NHS and the reimbursements and things being so tricky. We have a lot of UK dentists here in Australia because they flee the uh, public system there to come here. And, <laughs> they're they're, they're, they're refugees of the dental system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, so it's, true. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I, I think we have it quite good in Australia in terms of 
insurance reimbursements and things still. So yeah, the litigation side is, is a big one. I, that personally weighs quite heavily on me as well because we, you know, all, most of us come from a good place and we don't do things to harm patients or don't do treatment with the eye of it failing. But if it does and then patients come at you with that threat, it's just like a bad place to be. How much, uh, do you want know me asking, how much is like a, maybe a dentist five years out of dental school, general dentistry, like, like, like you are, how much would you expect to pay for your, you know, dental protection or insurance or, or whatever in, in Australia? Yeah. So there's definitely different companies with different rates. Um, I would say probably the lower end would be about $800 and then the higher end would be about $3,000. So that's like the sort of the range I would say. Oh my goodness. These are Australian yeah. dollars, right? Yeah. What is it like in the UK? <laughs> Okay, are you are you sat comfortably? Are you are you you're not gonna um, like faint, yes, right? I'm I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm so the, the the lowest of the lowest end, and this is of a general dentist, not of like a public sector community. The general dentist, the lowest of the lowest of the lowest, is probably around about, and it's like after five years qualification, no, non implant, nothing complicated. The lowest lowest is two and a half thousand, three thousand pounds is the lowest of lowest, right? Yeah. You're looking at six k, eight k GBP. Okay, and I know plenty of people are on that, um, and for a lot of people, it's the second biggest. Uh, monthly expense after their mortgage after their house right so the house number That's one crazy. number two is there so it's just it just paints a picture of what it's like um you know in the uk with litigation stuff so that's why when i was in singapore i felt as though this like massive weight had been lifted off my shoulders and uh, you know mm -hmm. it's, it's good of you to sort of say that you feel yourself that maybe perhaps you don't feel as strangled by that because the biggest thing you said was burnout was as as, as a real issue whereas here that yeah there's burnout but there's so many other complicated factors but i don't want i want to keep this episode positive because there's so much positivity yeah. <laughs> about you omid as, as a person and I, I love the fact that we're into the same things like we're into this, this you know, self-help productivity uh, all these sorts of cool things and you're always putting out these like weekly mentorship things which people should totally check out uh, about how to be the best version of you so my, my, my question to you my friend is we have a lot of similar interests in that in productivity habits that sort of stuff can you share your one or two biggest tips dental or non-dental for making our life more efficient better more productive yeah so uh, like i said I was, I was thinking about this as i was running today and I, I don't think I'm great. And I think that's one, one, the first thing I would say is like have that mindset of like, it's a journey. You're like, you're never there necessarily. So you can always get better and, and do more. Uh, I'm, I'm very productive at consuming information, I think. So like I said, I, I like to multitask. Like it's not often where I'm sitting at home or on commuting or even uh, work where I'm not trying to like learn something while I'm doing something else. So I always have a podcast in the background or like a YouTube video in the background, which is good because you're always, you know, learning and consuming it. But I think the next step of that that I'm working on this year has been implementation. So you can always have the knowledge. You can, you know, go to all these CPD events and, and learn a procedure in dentistry, or you can watch these tutorials or podcasts about investing or whatever it may be. But like that step of, okay, I've, I've understood the, the factors. I know the knowledge, but now I need to like apply it to my real life. Take that step you know, buy my first stock or, you know, do my first implant or take out my first tooth or wake up at five tomorrow and actually do my morning routine and whatever it may be. Do you be. do that? Do you do that by the way? You know, I, it comes and goes. I'm pretty good. I, I <laughs> normally, I try and wake up around five 30 and I have like a, a thing that I do. And I think one of the videos that I did recently was the cool thing about it is you don't need to be so regimented. I think you can have different phases where you try different things or whatever fits in your life at the moment. So for me right now, for the past maybe six months, eight months, running has been probably the biggest thing outside of work that I focus on and spend time on. So my morning routine is like wake up, do my like morning mobility and things like that. Um, and then have breakfast and watch like a YouTube investing tutorial because I'm trying to learn about investing and all that at the same time. So that's sort of it. But in terms of your, to answer your question, <laughs> I'm going uh, the long way around here, but 
Um, one of the main things I use is like apps. So I use Trello. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I'm familiar with Trello. App, yeah. Trello. Explain to yeah, everyone so what Trello is. Yeah. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Yeah, so Trello is essentially it's like a it's like a big to-do list so you can have columns of things. So um, it took me a while to like really master my sort of the workflow there. So essentially how I have it right now and maybe I'll, I'll share a screenshot or something of it is um, I have, you know, on the, on the left side, I have like open loops, I call them. So there's like long-term ideas and plans and things that I want to get to one day. So for example, before I did the Newbie Dentist rebrand, that was there. Like it was there for months because I was like, I want to do it one day just whenever I get the time. So those are my open loops. And then I have like my monthly, weekly, daily to-do list. So then I kind of drag it across. So like when the week comes, I'll be like, okay, I got to do these 10 things this week put it there and none of those 10 I'm doing these three today so that way you don't when you're when you're time poor you sit down you just open up your Trello board that you've organized um, I usually do that like on the weekend on the Sunday or something for the week ahead so when I wake up I only have 30 minutes I can just look through my list and like these three things I can just bang out right now it'll take me 10 minutes to do it and I'll do it so that's been a big you know time efficiency for me because I don't waste time thinking okay what what do I have to do what's next what do I have to plan who do I have to contact um, and and then you get a nice uh, dopamine rush because when you like take it to the completed list then you see your completed task list grow that's that's pretty rewarding as well so um, so that's I guess my tips are one is uh, productivity and consume uh, consumption so multitask try and Listen to a podcast when you're off for a run or at the gym or to- driving. Toilet to University. Toilet <laughs> University is good for, uh, for YouTube videos. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, that's always fun. But uh, and then try try a to do list. Like some people just like pen and paper. That works for most people. Like have a to do list. Um, I think I mentioned one that I, I learned from uh, Kevin O'Leary on a YouTube video I was watching. Actually, is he he has like a sticky note that he sticks onto his computer three things that he's got to do first thing in the morning. So he does that before he goes to bed. And then when he wakes up, those three things are there, just gets it done. And then he can start the rest of his day. I like that a lot. And I like your Trello system. So Trello is a really cool app. The way I've done it recently, which I found helpful as well, and maybe you try it this way, or maybe you will try it in the future. And let me know what you think about this is sometimes a to-do list. And I've got a massive to-do list here, man. Uh, and and I, I found that sometimes just like you had those open loops and you'll get around to it, whatnot. I had too many of those. And now I've started to uh, integrate it more with Google Calendar. So now you nice. have to, you, you put it into a physical space and you allocate it, got like protected time for that. And I find that I'm getting more done because I've got that protected time. But, you know, there's yeah. always um, issues doing it that way as well. But I do like your Trello system because it breaks up into, you know, uh, weekly open loops, daily sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, I'm always looking for, for gems like that. So I might look at it again. I think it's good for teams. Like if you work as part of a team, uh, Trello yeah. is good because it allows everyone to sort of access and, and, and tick things off, for sure. right? Yeah, but that's what we do with the podcast. And, and this is, you know, like I said, this is just stuff I'm learning this year. And a lot of it mm. goes down to my uh, friend 
friend David who uh, has his own dental podcast as well. So we he, he's very systemized, whereas I'm not as systemized of a person, but I'm learning a lot from him. So uh, what's David's our, what's uh, David's podcast? Tell tell us so, so uh, we can Dental Head on. Start. So it's an Australian okay. podcast called awesome. Dental Dental Head Start. Yeah. So he's he's doing great as well, growing quite rapidly, uh, much like you are. Yeah. So I, I like that systemization with the podcast. We have you know episodes that I'm about to record, episodes I've recorded, episodes that have gone off to the editors, um, and then the guys that have helping me with the social media side of things know where things are at and can track it as well do you think people dentists can use this in practice do you think um is this something that you can use with a practice manager have you heard of dental practices using a system like this because it sounds pretty good actually if 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 you got the manager the treatment coordinator some dentists using a, a version of trello to to get more stuff done efficiently as a team it, it would be an interesting thing to do for sure. And I think there's a lot of space to improve that in a lot of dental practices, right? Like not many of the practices will be that systemized, but I think it's, it's such a nice visual tool. Um, you can like color code different tasks and things in there. So, you know, even like as an associate dentist, for example, you have like cases that are ongoing. You can have them on there. You have cases that you got to do a case presentation on or chase up lab work. Mm. Um, I think it's a really useful tool for a dentist to use for sure. And I like that dopamine hit you said, because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, uh, Omid, tell me, I sometimes I'm, uh, I make a to-do action and I take it away straight then and there because I've just done it, yeah. but I need to register that I've done it. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, that, that's a level of session that sometimes you get when you have these uh, dopamine hits. So I, I love those little gems. So guys, check out Trello. Also check out the, the Dental Head Start podcast because I love promoting our own, you know, our fellow podcasters and stuff because we, we, it takes a lot of hard work and effort. And when, you, when you're looking at your, own, your website and stuff and the amount of visuals you have, the amount of great content you have, it, it takes a lot of uh, effort. You know, I understand more than anyone. So we have to uh, support each other and, and, and send each other to these uh, awesome podcasts. Uh, the next thing I, I want to ask is something that you've covered so many times and I, and I love it in your podcast, but I want you to introduce to my audience as well is what makes a great dentist like this is such a big question right like you know we all want to yeah. be this awesome <laughs> dentist but what do you think because you, you've spoken to such a huge variety of guests and i feel like you've pinched a few things you're you're like a, as my colleague zach calls it you're like a patchwork quilt of all the other dentists <laughs> or whatever right or, or the average of the five dentists you spend the most time in one of your recent yes. episodes as well but what do you think is the key attributes that's gonna help a young dentist become great? I think the main thing is communication. I think at the end of the day, regardless of your skill level, if you can communicate well with the patient, if you can get what you know or see in your head to the patient and make them understand why they need certain treatment or even you know, the consent thing, we talked about litigation and things like that. I think a lot of that comes to like poor communication, right? So you know, if you're good at warning the patient of what can potentially happen before it happens, it's a whole different conversation once it, if it happens, right? Whereas if you've never warned them about it and, oh, now, oh, sorry, the instrument separated in your tooth, I was doing the endo. If you've never warned them that this could happen or it does happen, then they look at you like you're making excuses at that point, right? So um, I always think communication is the number one tool for success because you don't, have, you don't need to have the best hands. You may not be the best clinician, but if you can communicate really well, those are the really successful dentists. So that's one. The second thing is that internal accountability because you know once you graduate, once you're working, there's no one looking over your shoulder. No one's telling you, uh, you could do that a bit better. Uh, maybe just do that again, or maybe reprep that, or just refine that margin. Or, you know what, just take that impression again. It's not good. There's a bit of a bubble on the margin. You might just be in a rush. Your next patient's waiting in the waiting room, and you're just like, okay, I'll just send it off. So I think that sets precedence because if you are lax with yourself and you let your own standards slip, nobody else is going to really check you on that. So 
that adds up over time and then you just build bad habits and that has a big impact on you. So good communication, good internal accountability for like set your standard because like, you know, the quote is like how you do some things is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer in that now. And I wasn't like that always. Like I said early on, I was all about, you know, production and fast and speed. And it wasn't great because I let my internal standards slip. And eventually I was like, you know what, this is not the level of work I want to do. So I started posting on Instagram. I started posting my cases and I started getting feedback and and that became the game then was, okay, how can I get better like clinically? So I think that's the main two things I would say. Um, and then the third thing is obviously, it's an interesting one. It's like being selfish. Like you have a good level of self-assuredness. You need to be confident in yourself and your own abilities. And the difference between that and being like egotistical is you're open to feedback and you're open to ongoing learning. So if you're assured you say, I want to get better. You'll go to a mentor, you'll go to events or CPD events and courses and things, and you'll not be cocky about it. You're like, yes, I can improve. I can get better. I can learn. Mm -hmm. I can do that better. So I think that's the main three things, communication, internal accountability, and being self-assured. I think I was going to say that one and three, but even two to some degree of those three things, they definitely have the theme of emotional intelligence, you know, having the self-awareness uh, and communication theme. It's not just verbal, it's, it's the non-verbal, it's the empathy, it's the sympathy. Uh, so that screams uh, emotional intelligence, which is great. And, you know, we've covered that on the podcast before. Uh, and number two uh, point, I'm going to go to again, because I want to emphasize that your own standards can drop so quickly. It's amazing, right? As a dentist, because you're right, no one's looking over your shoulder and you just, the more shortcuts you take, and we've all done it, we've all done it, right? The more shortcuts mm-hmm. you take, the more drags you accept in your impressions or the, the technician will just guess where the margin is or whatever. <laughs> but you're right, yeah. I completely agree with you that it's the taking the photos. When you start taking photos of your damn impressions and then you start showing other people's, there is no faster way to improve uh, than that. So I'm so glad you've mentioned it there as well. Uh, I mean, ha- do you tend to post cases daily, weekly, because that's something I struggle with, time, especially with COVID, man. I have so much respect for the clinicians on Instagram that are like prolific with that stuff. Uh, I started to, I mean, I like with the newbie dentist Instagram page, uh, early on it was more about, I would just like share what I was doing and with my cases and things. And, you know, it's just hard to maintain it. So I, I've just made it now just like a pure podcast sort of page. I don't really post like my own work or anything like that at this point. Because it's tough, man. Uh, it's like you have to rotate tough, your photos, yeah. crop them. Like people do amazing <laughs> things that they get the, 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 the crowns. And they overlay it beautifully onto the preps. I know how to do it, yeah. but I haven't got the time to go on Photoshop yeah, and do that. And it's, it's amazing. And, I, and I'm not. So I'm not saying these people have surplus of time or anything. It's just they they yeah. they value that habit. and they love They've that. It's a habit. habit. As well. It's amazing. Habit. It's so good. Yeah. Any tips to post more cases? Be able to. Any tips you can give us? To, you know, what what can someone do to? Because yes, we've identified that you should post your cases uh, or just take more photos. You don't have to post them, but take more photos. But how can you yeah. get into the habit? You, you mentioned habit and then something you spoke about in your podcast for as well, but what tips can you give someone to make a habit of taking photos? It's, gonna, it's early friction, right? Like with any new thing that you're going to take on, any new habit you're going to build, it's going to feel annoying. It's going to feel like it's taking too long or, and you want to, it's going to be easy to give up right away because it's just like a new thing that you're trying out. Uh, so especially if it's not something you don't enjoy, like if you enjoy it, sometimes it's easier to form that habit. But if it's something that doesn't come naturally, you're not familiar with the camera, it's clunky, it's, you got to take your glove off, you got to just slow things down. So I think it's, it's just making a commitment to yourself. Okay, I'm going to take a photo every third case this week. And like not an ambitious goal, like I'm going to photograph every step of every case, because that's, then you're easier, it's more likely to fail. So I think pick a one or two cases ahead of time, like, oh, I'm doing, you know, three back to back fillings on this quadrant, and I've booked an hour and a half, book an extra 10, 15 minutes, just take your time, take your photos, and then look at it and then analyze it. How can I get the photos better? First of all, how can I make the work better clinically? 
Um, and then I think that's the best way because I think a lot of us, we want to start working out and we're like, I'm going to go to gym seven days a week. I'm going to wake up at five and you'll do that for like two days and then you just stop doing it. Right. So I think, you know, I think that's the best way. Just pick one or two cases in a week, book the extra bit of time. I'm doing a nice crown prep Wednesday morning. Let me just give it an extra 10 minutes. I'm going to take good photographs, look up before time, how to use the camera, look up some photos on Instagram and kind of see what can I, can I mimic that? Can I imitate that? And then try and aim for that level. And then I think gradually you'll enjoy it and kind of start building it up from there. And you have to make these, uh, I love the term early friction user. Uh, and I have to, you have to reduce the friction. You have to lubricate it and the way i think you can lubricate the friction is by making sure that you a you tell your nurse hey i'm thinking of taking photos in this case because if suddenly you say uh, oh let's take photos and that's like wait we don't even have retractors in this room right or where, 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 yeah. the, where the mirrors uh, and you know to even warm your mirrors to prevent steaming or whatever so you got to tell your nurse you got to have that stuff out and the biggest thing for me starting out taking photos a year out of dental school was I just have the camera out. Like it's like within arm's reach, right? It's like out. You should never be in a situation where you think, oh, I'm going to take photos, but now I need to go into a cupboard, assemble the body to the lens, <laughs> assemble the ring flash. That's the worst yeah, frame of mind, uh, right? Yeah, that's just adding friction, right? It's definitely the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish there. 100%. So that's how we're going to lubricate our photography fiction. Uh, <laughs> friction even. Have it uh, ready, right. plan ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Tell, tell people, that's this accountability as well, right? If you tell your nurse, you're going to, like, I'm a huge accountability person because I think if I tell my nurse, look, um, we have this crown prep at nine o'clock today. I'm going to take photos of every step. Then you're more likely to do it as well because they know they're planned, you're planned, the plan is in place, and then you'll execute it. Okay, accountability from, from the nurse also sounds cool, man. Uh, yeah. Right, the next question I have, because I'm, I'm, I'm going through these because these are questions I get all the time. And I want to ask your perspective because, again, you've had these amazing guests on is, pathways like you know what kind of dentist do i want to be do you want to be and before i hit the record button you know you were telling me about your what you're up to so maybe you can hear a little bit about what you are up to and what you where you want to be but the most common thing and even i found it like you know three years out of dental school and i'm thinking what do i want how do i want to mold the rest of my career right like it's such a big such a huge topic like do i want to specialize do i want to do any advanced msc programs do you want to do you want do i want to be placing implants or i don't do i not want to be placing implants and sometimes you have to make these decisions early on about which direction and people say all the time find your niche right find your niche yeah. so the question i have for you is Omid, have you found your niche and also what uh, what is your pathway likely to be and then how can you self-discover get where you're going yeah so i guess i'll, I'll start with answering the second one first the the journey of self-discovery i think that's a really great question you know it's such a broad specialty right there's so many different levels and you know what i'm about to say is not to like demean people who are just you know you know, stick, stick to their scaling cleans and just do like their fluoride and fissure seals. And then this one that's stress-free life and that's it. And they just come to work and that's it. That's fine. And there's a place for that. And a lot of people are happy doing that. You know, one, one thing, I, one quote that I love is just like, you know, you gotta be the driver of your own ship. Essentially, you gotta, you gotta be the captain of your own ship. So when you graduate, there's a lot of options. You may not necessarily pick the right option right away, but I think after a few weeks or after a few months of work, you start to realize, okay, do I want to work you know, in like a treadmill type practice where I'm just pumping out work. I'm not necessarily happy. I'm not necessarily enjoying the type of work I'm doing. I'm just trying to fill quotas and make money. And the, the clinical side of things is kind of slipping. The standard is slipping. Some people love that. Some people just like the flow and just want to pump it out. And they, their job satisfaction comes from the income. And that's, that's fine as well. Uh, other people are like craftsmen, right? They want to master the craft. They want to sit there. They want to take their time, like slow dentistry and the whole movement with like rubber dam, rubber dam fam and like all that kind of stuff on Instagram. <laughs> but, uh, and they love that because they'll, they'll sit there, they'll spend an hour and a half doing a composite, even though they may not charge 
enough money to like make it worthwhile. <laughs> it's not about it's not about the money for them. It's about the the arts and the craft and just getting better at, at that. So I think that's something that you got to decide for yourself is do you enjoy the craft or do you enjoy the business side of it or do you want to just have a stress-free work environment, just come to work and clock in, clock out and, and your passion comes outside of work and whatever, maybe hobbies and things that you have. So that's, I mean, there's no judgment either way. You can, you can, there's, everyone does, there's a whole plethora of that. There's public dentistry where it's like no stress. You can just, you know, put in GICs all day and, and just go home. Um, or you can, or you can do all in four implants or orthodontics or advanced, you know, high stress, high uh, failure rate type of things that are like you're, you're going home and you, you're stressed before you go to bed because you're worried. High, about high risk, high reward. Yes. High risk, high reward. <laughs> so, so for me, you know, that was, that was, I, I worked in, I worked in a lot of practices. I worked in Toronto and then I came back to Australia and I was working and I got to experience a lot of this. So I, I worked in a, you know, a pump practice, treadmill practice in Canada. I was just really busy. I was a new grad and I just, I didn't have the skill level to like keep up with the principal dentist. So my work quality was really bad. And I still look back and I'm still like, oh man, I feel bad for these patients. I should like call them and be like, are you okay? Like, can I still do your work again? Um, but we all feel like that, don't worry. To, we all feel like that. Yeah. And then, and then I moved to Australia and I got a job in a really good practice with one of my old university demonstrators. And he's like a craftsman at heart. Like, you know, we rubber dam every, even like a simple occlusal, we'll put a rubber dam on, we take photos and the practice is set up for it. Like the nurses know that we're rubbing damming every tooth. So I had a good year of just like high end, good dentistry, high standard of dentistry. And that changed my mindset from the you know production side to the, let me get better as a clinician side. So I think that's, the journey that a lot of people need to go on and decide what's for them. And then within that, then there's, okay, what do I enjoy? Like I, I tried the whole restorative route and it's just not for me. Like it's, I'm, it's too, it's too finicky for me. I like more macro. And so I, I really fell in love with surgery. Like I, I rather, I much rather, you know, break a root tip and get stuck for an hour trying to dig out the root tip <laughs> than to try and get a, you know, invert my rubber dam. So it's not like a little speck of blood coming up from the, <laughs> from, from the margin. So like, like that stuff, I hate it. Like I sat there and like, oh, I, like this restorative <laughs> things. It's just too finicky for me. So, and and surgery, you know, it can be clean and art and finessed as well. But it's like it's more macro. So it's just a, a bigger scale where you can just have a different level of control. So um, that's why this year I chose to sort of take a step back, almost you know, huge pay cut even to go back into the public system and do a one year sort of hospital residency training just to get really really comfortable with like core oral surgery. So you know, wisdom teeth, surgical extractions, managing medically compromised patients. So from this, and then I hope to move on and I'm doing like a post-grad cert program in implants right now. So I think that's my niche will be because I, I still will probably do some general dentistry. Like I'm not getting any sort of like specialist credentials out of this, but it's more so just to focus my practice on surgery, taking out wisdom teeth, taking out teeth, putting in some implants. Cause I think that's where I get my, my job satisfaction. I would honestly, I had this chat with the real tooth doctor on Instagram. I've recently just, um, uh, podcast interviewed him. That'll hopefully come out in a couple of weeks, but we were agreeing that we would take out wisdom teeth for free. Even like if they just like come work Saturday, <laughs> just take out wisdom teeth. Like I just love doing it. Like the, the satisfaction when the tooth like flicks out is just like nothing beats that for me. So that's been sort of my, my adventure and my path to finding my niche. I would say structured learning is, is important, right? So you mentioned the master of science programs and like Kings and things there's a lot of Australian guys that do those, um, via mm. distance learning and then they come over to the UK to do the hands-on components. So I think that's, if you really want to find a niche, then you have to do something structured like that. Cause it's very hard to get that depth of knowledge by doing a weekend course here and there. So, uh, I would say work for a few years, see what you enjoy and don't enjoy, see what drives you crazy and what kind of keeps you motivated 
and then maybe just pick what you enjoy doing and, and go go depth. I, I always look for a few gems in everything someone says. And there, there, you, you were packed full of gems there, but I'm just going to highlight one of them, which is the fact that you you said you would do something for free, right? And so maybe for, for, for others, they'd be like, you know what? I can do class four composites and I would do it for free. Because when that case comes through, or sometimes people come in and they've got like a, a, a dark central incisor. And then they will heavily discount the the whitening rate because they love that satisfaction of getting that yeah. uh, black central incisor going white again. And they get that lovely satisfaction from any certain type of case. And I think maybe, maybe that is one way that a dentist can identify what their true calling is or, or what kind of work they need to uh, niche down into. So that's a great yeah. way of saying it. So maybe dentists out there, we should think, is there any aspect of your clinical dentistry that you like so much that even if you didn't charge for it or was not as profitable as the rest of dentistry that you think, you know what, I still do it? Maybe that's the answer. So I, I love that you shared that and that it's really made me think, hey, you know, what kind of stuff would I not mind doing? Um, and that's a great way to put it. So thanks for sharing that. I think that's a, I think people will listen to that and think, yeah, you know, I'm, I can now identify what it is. Because we all have that annoying friend at dental school who, who from third BDS, <laughs> they knew they wanted to be an orthodontist or they knew they wanted yeah. to, and they, they went straight into that path. But your path is very much, you're still self-discovering, but you've been through all the different sectors because you have done uh, public and and the, and the high-end uh, practice and then and then you came to terms with the fact that hey i don't like inverting dams but i like getting root tips so that's an Raise, important part of everyone yeah. you have to struggle a little you have to struggle a little yeah. bit right to to find out what yeah. your niche is yeah and i like i always say you know there's no race you know some of your friends may be more talented or more ambitious or or whatever it may be and they might get there much faster than you I think that's everyone needs to just have everyone has their own kind of process and journey to get to where they want to get. And some people are late bloomers and they, you know, different things in life. And I think that's one of the beauties of dentistry because I, I definitely found this myself before starting this job was, you know, if I was, you know, focused more on the podcast or I was more focused on, you know, training for a, a marathon or wherever it was, I could really easily just like turn down the dial at work. Like I would just like not take on big cases. I would just be cruising along at work. And then when I was like, no, I'm ambitious at work. I'm like, you know, presenting big cases and like getting all these like multi-unit like restorations and crowns and things. And so I, I found that really interesting because you can really choose how involved you want to be at work as a dentist. It's not like you can be passive and refer things out or you can take on hard things. It's really up to you and the, your appetite for how much you want to take on essentially. That's a, a mindset thing, isn't it? It's a mindset and, and how much you want to put yourself in a, a zone of discomfort or, or out of your comfort zone. And, and like I said, you can tone up that. You can tone it up. And and sometimes in life, uh, for your mental health, for, for burnout, you have to sometimes turn it down. And, and, and that's the way life is. And sometimes for your health, you have to do that. But I think when you're a, a new grad, turn it up as much as you can without entering the, the danger part. And I think the, the more mentorship you can get, the easier it is, the, the less resistance that dial has. Uh, and I think the, yeah. the key to that is, is, is mentorship. So you said you worked with someone who used to be a demonstrator at uni. Would you say that was a mentor for you? 100%. Uh, that job like redefined what dentistry was for me because I went from you know the single tooth to come in, oh, you got a cavity there, let me fix it too. Understanding, because he, he does a lot of ortho and things as well. So understanding like full mouth, um, you know, opening up VDO. And, and it was crazy because I, like I said, communication is a big thing for me. And I, I'm, I'm, you're the same way. You're a podcaster. You're, you're, you know, words come naturally. I'm sure you have great rapport with your patients. So I got really comfortable communicating and I just didn't have the skills clinically to back up my cases. Like I would, I would present the case like, 
okay, we need to like do a full mouth rehab. And you're like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? Like, I, I can't. What do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, that was great. Cause then I would just you know, take photos, go next door. He would sit down with me for a few hours. We'd plan the whole case. This is what we need to do. This is, we got to add to the surface. We got to reduce this. We got, and then I'll come back with confidence and a full plan and then just execute it. And that was, that was like amazing. Cause it just changed how I was doing dentistry altogether. I think, I think you raised, raised a really good point there because sometimes you could be uh, clinically excellent, but um, you are unable to um, communicate well enough to, to, to really help your patient self-discover and, and, and find the value in how much you can improve their life and health with the, with the dentistry that you can give them. Right. But then if yeah. you're, on the other end where you're just, um, you know, my nurse sometimes thinks that I've got the gift of the gab with the patients and whatnot, but it's dangerous <laughs> if you don't have the clinical understanding to back it up. And just again, you had that mentor. So I would say mm -hmm. mentorship is a, is a theme that can always- That's in the these biggest types thing of, in that Exactly, yeah. in these types of uh, themes of episodes, I think the, the mentorship's like the, the one thing that keeps coming again and again and again. Um, and, I, and I've always said that you can identify a mentor um, anywhere. Like Frank Spear is a, is a mentor of mine, I'd say. I've never met the guy, okay? I just consume yeah. a lot of his content, but to me, he's a mentor. Like I can really yeah. uh, resonate with what he says and I learn a lot from him. So it's never been a better time to be a dentist. You can have a, a remote mentor. That's the best, that's anywhere. so true. Amazing. Yeah, with, with, online, with online learning and distance learning, it's, it's incredible. You can anytime you have, you can sit at home and watch lectures from around the world from experts. And, and even uh, social media is a great place to find mentors. If you, if you really enjoy someone's work, you can just reach out with questions and people are like amazingly free with information, right? You can reach out to like a periodontist in somewhere in the UK or in, in, in the United States. And they'll tell you exactly like, this is what I use. This is how I use it. This is the material. This is the grafting technique, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just amazing how much information you can get if you're hungry to get it. In no other time in history, could you just do that? Like you, you couldn't no. even in the, in the, in even early, early 2000s you couldn't just reach out to anyone anywhere and, and you couldn't just dm pascal mania you know you could <laughs> not that he ever That's replies so to me <laughs> pascal listen uh, help us out man i made from newbie yeah. dentist jazz from protrusive just help us out buddy come on <laughs> um yeah it's amazing I, I um i was listening to a book when i was running uh, a few months ago uh, called grit and i've talked about it in one of the weekly mentorship things mm. um and it's amazing idea that they introduced called the social multiplier effect. Um, so, and, and the example they used was in basketball, for example. So, uh, in the United States, you know, until pretty much the mid eighties, like NBA games or ABA games at the time, they weren't televised. So people wouldn't really get to see basketball at the professional level on TV every night. And then in the eighties, when they start showing basketball every night, you know, kids will be watching it. They go to the playground, they're imitating MJ, they're imitating, you know, Dr. J. And so the kids are getting better and then their friends on the playground see them doing it. They're like, what is that? Like, where'd you see that? And then they start practicing it. So when you look at the professional basketball player from like 1990 or even the early 2000s to the professionals now, the level of skill in the game is just like unbelievably advanced. And I think the same thing is happening in dentistry because you know, think about it, like in 1970, if I was in Melbourne doing class four amalgams or sorry, <laughs> class two amalgams, I have no idea what Pascal Mani is doing in Europe or, or Matt Najat is doing in LA. I, I'm isolated, right? So now I'm, every day I wake up I'm, uh, on lunch or uh, toilet university, as you said, we're <laughs> looking at Instagram and it's like, man, like this is like, this guy's doing this type of graph. This guy's doing this type of implant. This guy's doing this type of composite. 
So my understanding of what's possible, your understanding of what's possible is just like miles ahead of what a dentist 20 years ago would have been. I'm so glad you introduced me to that. Um, what's it called? The social... Social multiplier effect. I love that. And you're so right. We see it in dentistry. And uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to go and buy lots of shares in Rubber Dam now uh, after you said that, because <laughs> it's true. Because everyone's isolation game, like, you know, I think the percentage of dentists um, caring about Rubber Dam isolation has probably gone from like 2% to 20% in the last yeah. uh, few years because we're all seeing it on social media beautifully presented and then we're starting to notice the benefits more and just like in basketball in the 80s and televised they used to see this and now they're seeing all this awesome dentistry and everyone's like crap i need to elevate my game and i need mm -hmm. to you know give a better service to my patients and you're right we are improving because it is uh, more televised in, the, in that sort of basketball sense i never thought about it that way but but you're right so i'm gonna buy shares in every rubber dam company there is because <laughs> i think it's only gonna go up right <laughs> Yeah. yeah and yeah that's the best part and, and yeah once i remember in dental school i was like man once i graduate i'm never using a rubber dam again i said and the honestly, same thing now, honestly now like if i have to do one without a rubber dam i'm just miserable because like the tongue is there the cheek is there you just put your dam on and even though i don't love doing restorations and whatnot but it's still like a peaceful situation to be in once you got the dam on it's a stress-free situation. I actually accepted a new job in March and part of the terms and conditions was, hey, I work, but you can never run out of the Unodent latex-free rubber dam. Is uh, you nice. know, capiche? <laughs> and, and, and everyone's yeah. in agreement. So that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up now and ask you, You've had such amazing guests on your podcast. Right? You know, you're just way ahead in the game of dental podcasting with the caliber of guests you've had. Uh, I'm still catching up, my friend. Honestly, the guests you've had are amazing. So, so tell me who has been, without undermining any other guests, but this is a tough question, right? Um, yeah. I hope never ever, no one ever asked me this, but who has been the most <laughs> inspirational guest you've ever had on The Newbie Dentist? And That's what so did they teach you? And I what did they teach you? I know it's really unfair. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, there's so many that come to mind. Obviously, like one of the main ones, like just instrumental for the podcast was like Bruce Freeman. So he's a orthodontist in Toronto and he's you know become a friend and a mentor. He, you know, he's quite active in the dental community in, in Canada. So when he came on my podcast early on, maybe like episode like 12, 13, whatever it was, that was like a big turning point for the podcast in terms of downloads and exposure and things. So um, that meant a lot to me. And then we recently just did another like sort of two part episode about, and, and he's quite experienced, you know, he's, he's much ahead in his career towards the end of his like clinical practicing life and he's on to like teaching yoga and mindfulness and all this kind of stuff so wow. I, have a, I have a lot to learn from him in terms of you know staying like you know keeping the side hustles going i love that because uh, a lot of people at his stage of his career would be like winding down or maybe just you know comfortable with what they achieve but now he's you know, adding things. He's lecturing on patient experience and mindfulness and uh, working with big, you know, dental corporations in Canada and things. So, so as someone uh, who's one, a great clinician, good communicator, good side hustler, I've a lot to learn from him. So he's been one of the, the main ones. The other one that really uh, comes to mind is like the implant ninja, like Ivan Chichon. I'm not sure if you've seen him on, on Instagram. He, he, he came oh, on the guy. podcast uh, for, for me as well. We talked about uh, oh, really? basic basic implant occlusion we talked about because I wanted to just niche down into in that area. Ivan's such a cool yeah. guy. What a story he has. Man, like his his drive, his hard work, his story of like how he got into his math, like his math, like, um, specialty program. He just went over to like, I think it was Michigan from memory. And he's just like, can I just come shadow you? And then while he was there, he's like, can I just interview? I'm already here. And he just like hustled his way into the program. I, I have a lot of respect and admiration for his hard work and like the amount of content and the courses and the everything that he puts out is quite amazing. So um, 
there's many others, but I think those two are the main people that I'm just like, I still, I look up to, like I wake up and I'm like, I want to be like them one day. I really appreciate you answering those tough questions. I know that they're, they're not easy, but uh, that is awesome. Um, Omit, really appreciate you coming on, my friend. I just wanted to, to get your word out there because because the, the stuff you do with the weekly mentorship and, and all the other, you know, I say go back and listen to all the, you know, big from the beginning of newbie dentists and some great content there. So, uh, Omit, thanks for giving up your time to to come on my show. Uh, I really appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate the opportunity, man. It's great to talk to you. Like I said, your your passion is quite infectious. I got to raise my game up and uh, <laughs> not at all. Get to you're a there. level in terms of uh, interview execution, but um, definitely, hopefully, we can uh, return the favor and get you on the newbie dentist and talk. I know you. I know you're big on you know occlusion and, and night guards and splints and things like that. I think you can have offer a lot of value to the listeners. So we'll definitely arrange that. Awesome, my friend. Well, thanks so much, man. Hope you enjoyed that little session with Omid. Do DM us both on Instagram. Let us know what you thought of this episode uh, and I will catch you in the next one, no doubt. Make sure you stay up to date with everything by signing up to the newsletter, which is on protrusive.co.uk. Uh, any sort of blog post or episode that you click into, uh, pop-up will come up. You can put your email address there. Uh, there's loads of infographics download and also, our, of course, our famous Telegram group, which is protrusive.co.uk forward slash Telegram and our Facebook group, which is the Protrusive Dental Community. I'll catch you very soon guys in the next episode.